How's that? Is that better? All right, good. The, um, we have enjoyed a lot of coffee, a lot of theological discussion. All of my theological training came from a strong Calvinistic point of view. Uh, both schools that I went to, I received a uh, great indoctrination in relation to Calvinism. I came out being a tulip. Now, that stands for the five points of Calvin. And uh, then I got into the Word of God. <laughs> and uh, from there, I have uh, changed my, I, I, I say about two and a half or something like that, Calvinist, something to that, to that extent. But anyway, uh, we have some good talks about theology. And uh, these last two sessions, these are books that I've been spending a lot of time in. This morning it's Luke, which we're preaching through on Sunday mornings. But this is not a rerun. We haven't got this far yet in Luke. Uh, but uh, we uh, also, uh, tomorrow morning, we'll look at what we're doing Sunday evening in a discipleship course in Romans chapter 12. So take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. Verse 38. Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Father, again, it is a rich privilege to be here with these dear folk. We're grateful for the opportunity to just share together in these mornings. Lord, ultimately, we want to deepen our relationship with you. We want to draw close to you. And we thank you for the instruction that you give us in your word of things that can be helpful beneficial to our spiritual growth and development. And so we'd ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, who's the great teacher, 
would teach each one of us your truth. But may we not only hear your truth, but may we leave here from our hearts with a desire to live your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. A quote. Worship is the heart of all that we are and that we do in the Christian life. Before we can ever serve Christ, we must spend time with Christ. Mary of Bethany is seen three times in the Gospels. And each time, she is at the feet of Jesus. Many, when they come to this passage of Scripture, say that Martha was the worker and Mary was the worshiper. We can learn from both of these ladies. But the whole issue, as we approach this passage this morning to me, is what is the one priority that we need to be focusing on. Martha received Jesus, as you notice in verse 38, in her home. But, even though she invited Jesus to the home, she neglected to spend time with Jesus. Another quote, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. It's not a matter of either or situation. It's a matter of being involved with both, but knowing what the priority is. Few things have as much damaging effect in the Christian life as trying to work for Jesus Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. On one hand, we hear what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. When Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. And yet on the other hand, we hear the words of the Apostle Paul. The book of Philippians when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Without me, you can do nothing. With me, you can do all things. So it would seem to me that the top priority needs to be Christ and spending time with him. As Mary did, we need to spend time at the feet of Christ. A.W. Tozier, who said the most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. 
I've had multitudes of people who come and want to talk to me in my office. When they come, they begin to share their struggles in their spiritual walk with the Lord. And, or maybe they're involved in so many different activities or so many things within the church, you can just read on them burnout. And as I sat and as I talked with them, one of the things I asked them, I said, how is your time alone with the Lord? And it never fails. The person over here who's almost burnt out would say, Pastor, I am just so busy. I don't have time. I've got this on the go. I've got this on the go. I just don't have time. The person over here says, Pastor, I am just so discouraged. I'm so defeated. I just... I just don't have a want to. I just don't have a want to. So when I hear both of these people, and I hear the words that Paul said that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, I come back to the quote of John MacArthur's book, The Ultimate Priority. The ultimate priority is... To spend time at the feet of Jesus. By doing so, we re well, we boost our batteries. We find the strength that we need to go on. And we find that the strength is in Him. Even our Lord when he was faced with attacks. Attacks by Satan himself. Turn over to uh, Matthew, would you please? Chapter 4. We know that in Matthew 4, we find the temptations of Jesus Christ. Satan came, and every time Satan tempted Christ, each time Christ would respond back with the word. But in this case, notice Matthew 4.10. He responds to Satan with his statement. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm going to read that again. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Notice the priority in the verse. What comes first? Worship. Then service. In preaching through the Gospel of Luke, we have stated that the theme verse For the gospel of Luke is this, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
But in the passage that we dealt with yesterday in, in John chapter 4, Jesus said this to the woman at the well in verse 23. For such people the Father seeks to be worshipers. Now, let's put this in perspective. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. For what purpose? To have those who would engage within the framework of worship. For such people, the Father seeks true worshipers. One time I was speaking. And I, I like to know how many times in my speaking I've opened up my mouth and inserted my foot or, or I've had somebody come up and say, is that uh, theologically correct or, or is that right or whatever. But I guess I must have made the statement somewhere in the message I said we're saved to serve because I thought two S's sounded good. Saved to serve. I'll tell you, when you spend time dealing with a passage like this, Martha and Mary, we're not saved to serve. We're, we haven't been saved just so that we won't go to hell. We are saved to worship. We are saved to worship. That's why in the word of God it says, one day every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day everyone will acknowledge Christ. Everyone will fall down and worship him for who he is. Doesn't say. And everyone will serve. Now, granted, I believe we will probably serve in some capacity, but our primary time, we are going to be worshipped. All you got to do is read the book of Revelation. And Revelation is full, full of, full of, of multitudes singing and multitudes worshipping God. And so while we're here, this is preparing us for heaven. And the primary priority has to be worship. Now in the Old Testament, you had the tabernacle. When the tabernacle was very mobile, and wherever the children of Israel went, the tabernacle went with them. When they camped, the 12 tribes are always surrounding the tabernacle. All that was replaced eventually by the temple. And the temple was thought of very, very clearly as being the place of worship. That's where the high priests would enter in. That's where worship took place. And the temple was the place of worship. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6.
1 Corinthians chapter 6. And would you look at verse 19? Do you not know that your body, and we're going to be talking about your body tomorrow morning, is the temple, tabernacle, temple, the church of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Come over to chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 16 and 17. Do you not know that you're the temple of God? That the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. If the primary top priority of the temple was a place of worship, and God has placed his Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit is to lead us and to direct us and to guide us in worship. That time when we are alone with him, he is inside of us. We are a walking temple where we experience worship. I often hear people say, man, you can really sense the Holy Spirit in this place this morning. Man, did the Spirit of God move. This morning in this place, we recognize that when the body of Christ comes together, we're talking about believers that are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to work in the hearts. And there are those times when we really sense that he is working. But every time when we come to the feet of Jesus... We are to experience that time with him where he ministers and he speaks to our hearts and to our lives. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Hebrews chapter 10. We want to focus on verse 21. Now remember, we were talking about the temple and all of this, but let's start at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Let us, who's us? 
those who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, how and what do we have as checkpoints that we need to look at as true worshipers coming before him as our ultimate priority? Well, in verse 22, there are three things. The first one is this. Sincerity. He says, draw near with a true heart. A single-minded heart. A heart that is fixed and focused on God. Often when folk come to church at Coldstream and they're, they're gathering, we have a, you know, it's almost like trying to get everybody to their own stall kind of thing and get them all to quiet down because everybody's talking and there's a massive noise and all of this. And sometimes I just gather the people together and I said, okay, folk, why don't we just bow our heads, prepare our hearts to meet with the Lord? You know what? There are a lot of times we walk into the building that is called church and we are no more prepared to meet with God because our heart, our minds are on other things. I sometimes listen to what we talk about and what we have a tendency to talk about is what's on our mind and what's on our hearts. And when people gather into the church, they're, they're talking about everything under the sun except the Lord. They can even be talking about serving the Lord in this capacity or doing this in this particular ministry within the framework of the church. But their heart is not focused upon the Lord. A fixed heart. A single-minded heart. The first is having a sincerity of heart. And I said it the first morning, we need to come to God's house worshiping. Having our hearts already prepared. Having our hearts prepared to want to meet again in a special way with the Lord. And if we come to God's house prepared, we'll want to worship Him. We'll want to be intensely interested in the Word of God. We're there with our Bibles, ready to hear from God what He has to say versus some of my dear folk have the best sleeps under my messages. They sleep. Uh, remember one Sunday morning, I had one of these lapel mics and I was preaching and I decided to come down and start walking down the center of the aisle when I was preaching. One of my dear saints was there, and I mean, he was having one good sleep. And I walked up right beside him. 
And there are times I can get loud. And I said, I'm going to have fun with this. So I decided to kick her in high gear, and I got loud. He came up out of the chair about like this. He says, Pastor, I opened my eyes, and there you were right beside me. Didn't expect that. Well, for the next few weeks, he stayed awake. But I'll tell you something. It doesn't need something like that to wake us up. What we need is the Spirit of God to wake us up with a hunger to want to meet with him with a sincere heart. With a sincere heart. So the first thing is to draw near, we have to have a sincere heart. There's a second thing. Not only is there the sincere heart, but there's the faithful heart. Notice in verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart with full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. That means fully trusting him. The true worshiper must come on the basis of faith And faith simply is worshiping according to the truth of God's word, but it's exercising and believing and coming with that faith. And there's a third and final one. It says, also in verse 22, not only are we to come to him with a sincere heart, not only are we to come to him with a faithful heart, We're to come to him with a pure heart. Pure heart. Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near to God. One of the top things that we have to do to draw near to God is to have ourselves prepared. How do we have ourselves prepared? By simply saying, Lord, search me. Know my heart. And see if there's any sinful, wicked way within me and cleanse me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. First John 1 John 1.9 is written to Christian people. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. One of the ways that we are really, really going to worship the Lord, it's going to be meaningful, our hearts are going to be right, we have to allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts. And we have to get things right. We have to be made clean. And I don't know about you. I'm going to get into something personal here. I don't know if you take a shower daily or not. No, I don't want the answer, please. But if, 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 if you don't shower on a regular basis, you begin to stink it. Now, I know they're recording this thing and said to be careful what I said about your church or our church, but here we go. We have some dear folk in our church from the old school You know what the old school is? The old school simply is you take a bath on Saturday night and you wait till next Saturday. Okay, we we, we have some who do that. The only problem is they put the same clothes on after they get out uh, sometimes from the bath. 
But I'll tell you, you can meet them on Monday. They aren't, they're not too bad. But if you happen to meet them on Friday, whoa. There's just, just a bit of an odor there. And I thought, you know, it's nice in the first thing in the morning to take a shower, get clean. I take the bottle of shampoo and uh, <laughs> run it just a little bit. I still pretend. And, but it's night when you get out of the shower. Don't you feel clean? Don't you feel like, hey, this, 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 is, this is neat. I feel refreshed. You can get in there half asleep, but you turn the water on. In time, you get out. And hopefully nobody's flushed the toilet in the dorm. But you, 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 you get out refreshed. Folk, when we meet with the Lord... We need a spiritual shower. We need to come clean before him. And if there's a lot of filth, if there's a lot of garbage, if there's a lot of things that we don't want to wash or deal with, that will, that will affect our worship. That's why he says, come to me with a pure heart. Purity. And the only one who can do that is the Holy Spirit who lives in the temple. And one of the things he's desirous to do in that temple is to create holiness. Godliness. And the more we connect, the more we draw closer to him, draw near to him the more we will become like him. My wife and I were having coffee the other morning. And she said something. And she began to shake her head because her worst nightmare is beginning to take place. She did something that she has never done and all the time that we've been married. And it's one of my pet things that I do all the time. And she did it. And she started to shake her head. She says, my greatest fear, I'm becoming like you. <laughs> Why is that? Because we hang out together. We spend time together. She's my best friend. Anything that I want to share that I don't want to share with anybody else, I share with her. And if you hang around somebody long enough, you begin to pick up some of their qualities. And the thing is, that's why it's so important that the worshiper draws near to God. Because the more you draw near to God, the more he's going to rub off on you. And people are going to see. We need to worship. That's why in the passage that we read, Jesus said this to Martha. The one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good. The one thing 
is needed. The priority, that one thing, is that we are saved. By God's grace, we are saved to worship. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your truth. And create within us a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen.